Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Meaningful Learning with Dr. Samantha Cotrera podcast. Many of you know that I started this podcast as a way to share academic conference presentations, and I expanded this work in spring of 2020 in order to bring you the audio versions of the pandemic pedagogy conversations I've been hosting on my YouTube channel, Imagining a New We. For this upcoming school year, I'm going to be bringing you a second series that I'm hosting on YouTube called Source Saturday, where I talk with historians and creators and archivists about primary and secondary sources that they have familiarity with and to talk about what they read from them. Although the series does work better as a video because we screen share the sources we discuss it, there are many interesting elements of our conversation that do, that do work as a podcast, but I do urge you to check out the YouTube video so you can see the source for yourself. Like the Pandemic Pedagogy series, these podcast episodes are unedited conversations, so you may hear buffering or the repetition of a question or an answer if Zoom wasn't working that great, but the content remains fundamentally the same as the video. Enjoy this version of Source Saturday. Hi everyone, Dr. Samantha Cotrera here for the Imagining a New We video blog, a video series designed to help history teachers and other history educators teach history in ways that are more meaningful, transformative, and inclusive for their students. Uh, this is a Source Saturday video series within a series. Today, I am talking with people related to comic books. Uh, the idea of Source Saturday was to introduce um, teachers and other educators to primary and secondary sources that can challenge the ways we normally teach particular time periods. And what I'm doing with this series of videos is I am talking with people related to comic books about how we can bring things like imagination, magic realism, Afrofuturism to our study of history. I've talked to people that are in the process of creating graphic novels, people that have published things as independent uh, artists and writers, people who are uh, Eisner Award nominated graphic novelists. I've talked with professors. I've talked to people interested in digital humanities. I've talked to so many people and the series is so wonderful. Watch them one by one or listen to them one on one or um, watch them independently. But together they really demonstrate the richness of teaching and learning history when we bring in space for art and imagination and interpretation. So enjoy these conversations. In this video, I am talking with the author of Christy Pitts, which is a graphic novel about the Christy Pitts riot in 1933 in Canada, which is a large anti-Semitic riot um, between Jews and Italians and Nazis, like real Nazis, um, uh, in 1933 before World War II. Um, this is just a fantastic novel. It's a fictionalized story, but it's based in archival research, and I'm just really excited to talk with Jamie about it. While the Christie Pitts ride is a piece of Toronto history, more specifically, um, Jamie's actually based in Winnipeg. He's, he's a comic book writer. Um, he does stuff related to history and politics and comics, and then when he's not doing comics. He's also a helicopter firefighter, um, a cage fighter in Alaska, and a mensch, which is a Yiddish word for an all-around great guy. So I'm really looking forward to talking with him today and uh, and like seeing what it's like to be an archival researcher, a comic book writer, and a helicopter firefighter, all while being a nice guy. So let's go over to Zoom. <laughs> 
Jamie, I'm really excited to meet you. When I came across your graphic novel, Christy Pitts, I was so excited and I was like, why are more teachers not teaching with this, especially in the Toronto District School Board and the Aligned Board? So I'm so excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for connecting with me from where you are in Winnipeg. Absolutely, Sam. Happy to be here. Excited we get to talk about the book. And I'm sure after this conversation, the Toronto District School Board will be picking it up left, right, and center. Definitely. I have a lot of sway there. It's just like me and their book list. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we well, kind of- I'm happy we get to finally make that marriage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was just me. I was the missing link. <laughs> Um, before we begin, uh, do you want to introduce yourself? I told everyone sure. you were a mensch, so you can start with that, but you didn't have that's, to. That's the most important thing. <laughs> so my name is Jamie Michaels. I'm a comic book writer from Winnipeg, Manitoba, the greatest city in the world, and I'm excited to be here today. That's it? That's all you wanted in your, your bio? Well, let's not put on airs here. <laughs> that's right. You are a mensch. So let's dive right in. Tell me about Christy Pitts. What is this source and what can we, tell me about this source just kind of generally and um, I'm going to flip to the ebook version of it. So although the ebook version is not generally available, we are able to talk about it today. So that sounds great. So Christy Pitts is the story of Canada's largest race riot and it tells the story of in 1933 when immigrant Jews and Italians clashed with swastika-wearing Anglo-Canadians at, at a ballpark. And this, this racial conflict kind of spoke to anti-Semitism and anti-racial sentiment in the country and eventually boiled over into a 10,000-person street brawl. And um, you do say it's entirely fictional, but, it, but the actual event is not. That's correct. So the idea is that we're bringing historical fiction to life. So all of the details of the riot are authentic and we've kind of brought it to life using fictional characters so readers can relate to this history and experience it through a, a real affective means. And that's so great because I think that that element of imagination and affect allows us into the story and into the history more. So when you were writing it and you, are you the artist? but is is Doug the artist and you're the writer? That's correct. So I okay. did the archival research and the script making for the project. And I'm really lucky to work with Doug because he's such an incredible illustrator. And also with a very niche Jewish history, Doug was great to work with being outside that community. So I could bounce ideas off him and see how they were translating and see if they were too niche. We have a scene, um, I believe in this chapter where there's a boxing coach who's wearing a towel around his neck and it's, it's drawn to be like a talus, like a Jewish prayer shawl. And mm -hmm. even the phrase to show that transition from kind of the old country to the new country, and we're expressing our national identity in different ways. And Doug said, that's a brilliant idea. What's a talus? So it's, <laughs> right. it, it, it's great to have him to see what translates and what doesn't. And you can read a text at multiple levels. So we still included it, but Doug was very great for keeping the text open and accessible to readers from all backgrounds. Yeah, I think that's really great. Um, and, and something that you can see in the text and see in the script as well. I do love, and that's why I had kind of hovered on this, this just kind of introduction, because I love how you 
and Doug were able to kind of introduce like, these are our points of reference for telling this story. And it's just kind of a really beautiful setup of how like, this is a work of history, but this is how we've kind of interpreted it. And I really love that kind of, I love that way that you've set it up just at that introduction. Thanks so much. I feel the, the archival origins of the story are so important. So mm -hmm. we're drawing on archival photographs in the Ontario Jewish archives, in the Ontario Provincial archives, the City of Toronto archives. And, and a lot of people, when you say archives three times in a sentence, they immediately turn off and that's understandable. <laughs> so so let, let's make this text accessible and that even by incorporating this direct material into the background art, we're giving a real feeling of the time. I felt the same was true in terms of parsing a lot of the newspaper. This chapter concludes um, with newspaper clippings from the Toronto Daily Star covering the atrocities uh, occurring in Nazi Germany in 1933. So this is a great framework to show uh, readers how aware Canadians were at the time of what the Nazi regime stood for and were still choosing to wear the swastika. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, uh, I, developed the education and exhibition program at the Archives of Ontario. So while I am not an archivist by training, I love that intersection between art and archives. And that, like, that really explicit way of bringing that in is so wonderful here. What are the other things you really wanted to ensure were kind of read through this story or through the images themselves? I think in, in terms of making a text, I've always been an aficionado for the Mark Twain quote, history never repeats itself, but it often rhymes. So mm. I think what you draw from this history may be different for every reader, because we don't live in 1933 today, but we can often draw parallels that, that, that are brought to light through, through narrative. So for example, the connection between uh, a racist culture and violence. And that, that's a transportable lesson that we can teach by using a real context. And do you, like, are there, I mean, we actually didn't talk about this, but in terms of like a racist context, like our world is racist, but it, the, there's particular elements of racism right now that we're really feeling in fall of 2020. Are there certain things that you look back at the writing or the illustration that you're like, I'm really glad that we did it this way because it, highlights an element of of this moment that i you know i i wouldn't have seen otherwise yeah i, I would call this text depressingly topical for the world we're living in oh, good and i would love to, to live in a canadian society where this is an irrelevant graphic novel and no one has to read it anymore so I, i'm hoping for that world um i was quite shocked by this unite the right rally and I saw the images from it and I saw such emotional intensity on the faces of the young men there. And we actually went back to some frames from Christy Pitts and we redrew individual characters with still frames of those emotional faces. Mm. So I don't think that those events are parallels per se, but I think this type of angry, visceral racism has existed across human societies and, and appreciating where it goes is an important lesson from the text. You know, this was something I was talking to with another graphic artist about that you can see things with, with this type of format, you're able to pull out things that you can't necessarily see in an archival 
document, especially a textual one. So like, yes, the expression on the faces you might be able to see in a photograph, but putting it together in a story is so powerful. Did you, did you feel that sense of, of like power and responsibility when you were putting it together? Oh, I think responsibility is a keyword here in the sense mm. that I'm, I'm a member of the Jewish community and, and this is the history of my people in Canada. When I was uh, a teenager, I attended a ball game in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and uh, an opposing group of fans yelled that we were dirty Jews and a fistfight broke out. So I, I'm curious as to how far away we are from these ideas. So based on my personal history and my family history, I felt an immense responsibility to one, do this history justice, but also capture it in a way that youth especially can relate to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was talking to a few people that have done historical graphic novels with real people and, uh, and like the, the, the other element of responsibility there, because you were able to be more imaginative with the characters, were there like attributes of characters that you wanted to bring in there? Like you said, like you wanted youth, for example, the, I'm just trying to show like a page. Uh, mm, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, the artwork is great. I'm sorry that my lighting isn't. I know you're saying that you want it to be relatable. Were there attributes of like the characters that you really wanted to bring to this exploration of history? I think that two character traits were important for me. One, to show the diversity of a community. Mm -hmm. You've got a if you have two Jews in a room, you're going to have three opinions. So I wanted to have that depth of character spread um, across the characters I use in the graphic novel. So not every Jew agreed on the approach to violence or the approach to confronting anti-Semitism in 1933. Some people really embrace that of being a model minority. You know, lay low, eventually say, will accept you for almost who you are. And, and I think that other characters want to, to confront this racism directly I, I think we see that um, in, in today's society as well. And these communities are diverse when they combat racism and the approaches they take are different. So that was one element. Another thing that was really important to me was how uh, we portrayed members of the Swastika Club. So mm -hmm. I think it's easy to characterize them uh, into villains and certain aspects of their character are certainly villainous. But uh, you see people fall into these traps based on lack of education, based on what their media is representing to them based on what their families have taught them and their school systems have taught them. So I really want to explore those attributes in the graphic novel, look at Canada's stark history of anti-Semitism in education, and, and say there, there's a reason we got from A to B. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it, that is very common to what is happening right now. Like we can, I mean, it's, it's like it hasn't ever stopped, but we can feel it in a really particular way right now. Yeah, I, I think the air is electrically charged and I have, have deep concerns for the present we're living in. And I think a big way to address those concerns is by the teaching of history. Mm -hmm. And so if you were going to do a, uh, a historical graphic novel like this one and you hadn't come up with a comic book before, you didn't know where to start or you felt really intimidated with the idea that you could bring archival uh, documents to life in this way, like what advice would you give like a young person in terms of your experience in doing something like this? 
And actually, before you answer that question, which is a great question, um, how long did it take you to do the whole graphic novel? Like, what, how long was the process? So this took me about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. I think that responsibility uh, really echoed in terms of the diligence of the archival research. Um, also, trying to reach out, I uh, did some firsthand interviews mm -hmm. with people that had actually been at the Christie Fitz riots, which was very important to the process and, and is a unique opportunity. And also reaching out to other historians to kind of get their take on my take. And they right. don't have to, to line up, but uh, I think that peer collegial review is important. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to make sure the, the facts are accurate. Framing can differ, but we have to agree on the facts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And did you know that you were going to do a graphic novel like this when you were in the archives like the first time? So I'm a graphic novelist by trade, but I think every story has the correct medium to tell it. And uh -huh. as I continue with the research, I could already see this would be a graphic novel in mm. the sense that that's how my imagination works. And I, I would give that same advice uh, to your last question, which was a great one. It was. About, uh, absolutely. People around here are already talking about it, Samantha. <laughs> the next buzzing. Um, <laughs> so I think that one, Treat, if you want to work in a historical context, treat the history with diligence and respect, um, and then do it. Please do it. Mm -hmm. the, the first draft of Christie Pitts was not the last draft of Christie Pitts, but you have to make that first draft. Get out there, take the risk, get a little dirty. As a writer working with an artist, were there elements that you didn't think you would need to write a script for until you saw like certain things and then were like, oh, I want to, I want to bring out this element a little bit more. Like I think the relationship between an artist and a graphic novel writer is so interesting, that collaboration. Yeah, it's absolutely a marriage. Yeah. Um, and, and I was very lucky to work with Doug. He, he's an incredible illustrator and he really had a respect for the history and, and he had a very astute second set of eyes for what was working and what wasn't working. So in, in that sense, I, I was the neurotic archival uh, point person for the project. <laughs> and then, oh, this is great. I want to work this into background art. But also, do we have any image references for this? I want to work this in as well. So kind of that back and forth made the project stronger. Yeah, that's so cool. And... Uh, I don't think this is true, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have a place where all these archival materials are referenced online for teachers to like direct students to after they all buy this book and read it? Well, definitely we're first working on stocking up for this uh, landslide of new sales. Yeah. But uh, we, we include some archival material uh, with corresponding archival information in the graphic novel yep. in the following pages. We're actually looking at a reprint right now, including more of that by popular demand, but there's, there's no corresponding digital platform at present. Yeah. I mean, there definitely could be because the archives that you mentioned, that's just your work cited. The archives that you mentioned do have a lot of collections online. And as I'm saying this, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I think I'm creating more work for both you and me. But we could, we could actually kind of merge those things and pull out a couple of things and like link them to this video and the little website that I have that aligns with, aligns with the video too. Because I think it's cool to make those connections as much as we can. Absolutely. Draw the link. I really also feel strongly that if you want to get a read of a time period, 
especially at this portion of history, the newspapers are invaluable. Yeah. Because it kind of puts you in the shoes of a reader of the day. And that's really what I did when I was working on a chapter is I would get the two major papers, the Toronto Daily Star and the, the Telegraph, and I would read through them before I wrote that chapter for that month in the book. You know, I just did a video with someone where we were looking at newspapers from like a hundred years before this. So uh, like 1834. And, mm. you know, I was saying like newspapers that aren't right now um, are so text heavy in comparison to what we are used to reading right now, right? Like things on your phone, it did not you know, they look very different in comparison to these larger newspapers. But it was such an interesting, it was such an interesting conversation to say, like, if you just spend some time even just looking at the headlines, you do see, just like you were saying, you do see the things that people were caring about on a really big, big picture kind of way. So that's really cool that you like spent some time with, with the people in this period by reading the newspapers. Yeah, it gives you a feel of the priority of the day. Yeah. So if somebody, so how does this book challenge our normal teaching of this kind of pre-war or interwar period? Um, and even if people already teach Christy Pitts riots, like what, how does this book challenge us? How does this, pu this book push us in different directions? Mm. I think history is always being remediated from the lens of the present. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this history especially is relevant because it challenges this preconception of Canada now as, as a multicultural nation was always how we functioned. Mm -hmm. I think we kind of have this teleological uh, impression of Canada and that we've, we've always been as just society when in fact we're not now and certainly we're not then. And I think that that's the importance of endeavors like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. But in, in a small way, uh, in a footnote of Canada's immigration history, Christy Pitts is so relevant. We're, we're a country that is comprised of immigrants and of settlers, and, and yet we have despised immigration for most of our history as a country. Mm -hmm. So I think Christy Pitts shines a light on that paradox and, and shows us the horrible cost of if you disenfranchise a people, there will be a reaction to that and, and that reaction will often be physical. Mm -hmm. I think it also helps us recognize like, like the faces of history too, like to be able to bring in this history, not just as an example of, oh, this, this happened, but like what are the mechanisms that individuals but also systems did to try to prevent immigration or immigrants from being in the spaces, right? Like to, it really draws, draws that history for us with these, with a face, with a personality, um, which I think is just really great. Yeah, not only what does being a second class citizen look like, but what does it feel like? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was really great to talk with you, Jamie. <laughs> it, was, it was an absolute pleasure. It was so great pleasure. to read this. Um, I, wish, I wish we lived in times where this text was more irrelevant. But if it has to be relevant, I'm glad we got to discuss it together. Yeah. And again, I think it's really awesome to be able to have a lot of different ways into history and being able to bring in imagination, archives, 
graphics and text, I think is this beautiful marriage, um, a, a really beautiful marriage for young people in particular to see themselves and feel themselves in history. And I'm really glad I came across this book on just some random Google search, but it will be headline news like the day after this is posted. So, <laughs> so don't worry. Put our controversy. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jamie. This was great. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye-bye.